On this episode of Resi Week, Infocom moves to October and human-centric lighting. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 262, Steam My Beard. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Middle Atlantic, what great systems are built on. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt e. Scott, for AVNation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by three of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Seth Johnson. He is the Software Development Manager for Black Wire Design. How you doing, Seth? Great. Down here in sunny, warmish Sarasota, I guess. It's warmer. Warmish. Warmish. Warmer than where you are, from what I understand. Almost everything's warmer than where I am right now. <laughs> it's stinking cold up here. Then we have, we're, we're not going to go up. We're going to go up and then back down. Then we have Mark Feinberg. He's the president of Home Theater Advisors in somewhat chilly New York City. Yeah, we're in like the high 20s, Matt. I know not as bad as you've got it up there, but still cold for me. High twenties is is not warm by any no, stretch of the imagination. And I'm the and I'm the moron who coaches my son's fl- outdoor f- winter flag football team. So spent the day yesterday in the snow. See, I would happily kids. spend the day in the snow if I could go stand on snow with with long sticks, but I can't <laughs> legally do that yet. No, you cannot. So thanks for that, Mister Ford. Uh yeah. Somebody send this to him. That'll be great. Last but certainly not least, we have my good friend, Mister Stephen Bronner. He's the owner of pro audio joja who has been getting a little bit of our weather you're welcome man you need to come and get your weather it's drunk it's down here it's making all kinds of mess i'm over it uh i hope you guys are having an awesome day man we're having a great day all right ladies and gentlemen let's let's jump right in this was announced late last week we couldn't unfortunately get it in last week's show because it wasn't announced yet. So we're going to talk about it this week. This comes to us from avnation.tv. Infocom 2021 is moving from June to October. Uh, That annual AV trade show has been postponed until the fall. Uh, It's officially going to be held October 22nd through 29th. The exhibit floor will be open October 27th through the 29th as well. Uh, This is going to be in lovely orlando florida seth as a floridian (laughs) just hey you're there so it's fitting really well when you see this when you see this postponement i i can't say that i was shocked or surprised i'm assuming neither were you what does this mean for the infocom show of 2021 is this a postponement that will allow it to go forward or do you think this is a postponement where it'll be mostly a digital show this year too I, I think I think it allows them to hedge bets a little bit, right? And and delay and see how well vaccine rollouts go, how well travel ban restrictions get lifted. You know, get, getting getting to Orlando is not such a big deal. And if you're in the states or in Florida specifically, it's pretty easy to to move around. But if you're outside the country, it's very tough to get in and back out. So um, I think what we're going to see uh, with these shows is kind of a wait and see approach. Uh, to see, this gives them a little bit more breathing room to, to do those, to do more planning, to put more digital if they have to start leaning on digital a little bit more and uh, may, maybe do a little bit of both. I, I really do think 
a little bit of both is the right answer. Um, not, not so much having the, uh, you can't do the floor and that kind of thing uh, digitally. I, I don't think that's worked out well, but certainly some of the education or all the education can be done virtually um, just about. So I, I think that that, that could be, uh, th this could give them time, a little bit of extra breathing room to make those tough decisions on what's going to be in person and digital. I, I do agree that, that the ability to have the, the show, especially the education available digitally, whether it goes forward or not, it really needs to be a must these days. I'm yeah. in favor of that. Mark, when you, when you see this, knowing that Cedia Expo is uh, two months after this, three months after this, in September, it's scheduled for Indiana. Uh, it's supposed to be in Indianapolis at the convention center there. Um, it's been a couple of years since it's been in Indy. It's coming back. Indiana is fairly open. Do you see this as a precursor to Expo being either delayed or, or extended? Uh, or do you think that this won't necessarily have a bearing on, on Expo? Um, you know, I think it's going to have to have a bearing on Expo. I look at this and I, in looking at Infocom, I say, yeah, vaccine should be the, you know, the general population, those who want the vaccine should be, should be able to get it by then. Um, that's what all of the predictions are saying. Now, the question is for these shows, I don't know what kind of a window they have before they have to make that final call of whether they actually have the show or not. How much, there's got to be a ton of lead up that days. they need to do. What? 90 days. 90 days, right. So, you know, in what are we, three months away, four months away from, from um, CD having to make that call, they're not going to be in a position to make that call. I don't think we're going to be in a position to make the call for Infocom because they're not saying they're saying vaccines should be fully rolled out by end of summer, which is August, September timeframe. So yeah, I don't think they can make a call for anything really before November, December. Yeah. Because otherwise they're just kind of rolling the dice. So and then what are they going to do? Are they going to require people to be vaccinated to come? I mean, how are they going to police that and be sure of that? You're going to have to provide, you know, your, your, you know, your, your vaccine passport in order to get into the show. I, I would like to see that, but I don't think that politically they can pull that off, especially in Indiana. <laughs> especially in Indiana. <laughs> Stephen, let me let me ask you this. If the if both of these shows go forward, whether it's uh, you know, Infocom in October, which I, I think is likely, uh Cedia in September, which I think is maybe less likely. I, I have a feeling that one might get pushed a little bit as well. But notwithstanding, if both of those shows go off at some point in person this year, in 2021, do you think that these shows are going to become hyper-regional? And what I mean by that is, I know for myself, I currently cannot leave the country without a lot of restrictions that incur a lot of cost when I come back. So even if I could get to Infocom in June, when it was originally scheduled to be placed in June... I likely would not going to go if I could not get back without the restrictions here. Do you think these are going to become essentially U.S. shows for the next little bit? I don't know about just U.S. I think that um, our country right now is so split. Um, the medical experts, as they call themselves, can't keep their story straight. The doctors don't know what to believe. Uh, it's really weird. I spoke to a doctor the other day that um, he told me, he said, honestly, we're doing the best we can. We just don't have the information. 
So, uh, and people like to point out that this Dr. Fauci guy that uh, can't seem to keep his story straight as well. So what we're experiencing is the scientific method being exposed in public. People don't know what to think. So do you, you have somebody like myself, I'm in Georgia, okay? In Georgia, we don't do all that lockdown stuff. It's just not happening. If you feel well enough to walk around outside, walk around outside, you wear your face mask. When you go inside, I wear a mask to make other people comfortable. I have the antibodies. I'm not going to make myself or anyone else sick, but I do it to make other people comfortable. I think the show will be a U.S. only show this year, only this year, uh, out of fear. But out of pure public safety, I don't know. Um, I, I, what I hate is the fact that I know we're going to go to these shows and there's going to be mass Nazis. And honestly, I don't hate the mask for any medical reason. It messes up my beard game. And that just, to be honest with you, it sucks, man. I mean, when you put a mask on with a beard, you are steaming the hair. Therefore, when I take my mask off, my beard is still shaped like the mask. I hate it. That's why I hate it. Um, I'm not looking forward to CDA or Infocom because of the mass Nazis. Uh, but um, I do think they're both going to go off. I think that an important lesson was learned this past year that digital conferences are garbage and nobody attends and nobody cares. Uh, Infocom or uh, um, uh, what was the show that just happened in January that our um, CES. CES. CES just happened and nobody even knew. Our industry likes to talk about it like somebody knew, but nobody gave a crap. It was literally nobody paid attention. So, yeah, yeah I, think I, the shows will, I think the shows will go off, but digital shows are garbage, and uh, nobody's going to attend that. So if I can't be face-to-face, -face, I won't go. And if I do go, I don't know how much in-show stuff I'm going to do because I don't care for the mass Nazis. Yeah, I, I think digital shows – I don't, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm going to say the digital shows that we've seen, we've been part of, and maybe that our industry has taken part in have been garbage. Uh, and I think that uh, the reason they are is not so much that that format doesn't work, but it's just not been done right. And I, I it's going to take some time to figure out how to do it right. It's going to take some time to, to get all those ducks in a row. But I think the digital show can be a little more powerful uh, and, and be used better uh, in better ways if, if done correctly. Uh, especially in conjunction with something like a trade show floor where you actually go in. I mean, you can't, you can't get a 4K HDR experience over a digital show. <laughs> the image is never going to look better than your, your computer monitor, right? So you're going to have to go and, and check out that equipment. Some, is that smaller regional events? Maybe. Is it, is it something that you actually physically have to go to every year and see? Maybe. But I definitely think, especially along what we were talking about with, earlier with education, there's absolutely no reason to have to like gather everybody in one place one time per year to do these education classes. Let's, let's have that, let's have that rolling out steamrolling once a month, every month, you know, or, or classes every month, all year round. I would love to see that go long-term. I don't think that needs to be just throughout this. Mm -hmm. There's no reason I should have to schlep my installers to CDA to get some of that training Right. when they can and pay for hotels and pay for their day, days they're not working and lose the work in the field and pay for flights when they can do most of that virtually. I mean, listen, would I like to bring them occasionally? Sure. I don't think I need to bring them every year for training when they can do that virtually. And, it, and, the, and the virtual trainings, I think, are no different. I mean, than sitting in a conference yeah. room in a, in a, in a conference center in a, in a big ballroom looking at a screen. 
there's definitely what's cool is the tools have been built for that right like we're we're figuring out how to use these tools now and i I think we're gonna supercharge that moving into the future hopefully yeah i agree and i am 100 in agreement that the trainings could be done year round and i am interested in seth's opinion about the stuff just not being done right uh, once again, we are all a, a we are all the result of a combined experience in life, and my experience is then limited to what our industry has done. I've never seen a digital show done, I guess, done well. So I would be interested to see what that looks like. Um, you know, I, I think it has to be or has to come down to the fact that too often everyone tries to replicate that in-person experience. They try yep. to do a trade show floor. They try to do a product demonstration. They try to do, you know, all those things that we love about going to a trade show. They want that that peer-to-peer networking. And I'm sorry, I already have enough networking apps. I don't I don't need to use your, you know, show app to funnel me into a networking group to talk to people that I may or may not want to talk to. Luckily, I want to talk to you guys. So let's continue that with our next story of the day. This comes to us from a residential tech today. Some residential tech pros are offering human-centric lighting systems, and uh, they're sharing their experiences about that. <clears throat> Read through this article. It, it covers uh, a really good overview of, uh, I believe, three integrators who who have been offering human-centric lighting, or HCL, for a couple of years. And they're, they're talking about their experience. They're talking about how they go about demoing it and pitching it and selling it and supporting it it's a really really cool article mark let me let me start with you on this human centric lighting is a very interesting topic but i feel it's occasionally oversold is this something that the average consumer has any need of right now um the average no probably well well like our 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 average consumer not right. not the general populace right right i mean listen, i have enough trouble selling traditional lighting control um people balk at the cost of, of, of paying you know whatever it is ten thousand dollars to replace the 50 light loads in their three thousand square foot four million dollar apartment um so more eight million dollars probably um so I, you know, and my understanding is human-centric lighting is even more expensive than traditional lighting control because now you're talking about all the light fixtures and the control is more complicated. So I haven't even looked into it, to be honest with you, in, in depth. I mean, I've read the articles on it, but I've never demoed it. I've never really explored it because I just don't foresee my clientele who tends to be more of a middle market in New York clientele um, buying into it. Again, I, I, I probably sell lighting control in of the big jobs we do, maybe 10 to 20% of the jobs um, of our, you know, north of $30,000 installations. So I don't, I don't foresee getting us doing it anytime soon. Now I know other dealers are having great luck with it. Just not fit, fitting my, my mid market um, per se. And, and keep in mind, if you're, if you're listening to this, Mark is in New York. So his middle market yeah. is not the middle market that is in flyover country. Depending on where you are, uh, Stephen. Let me let me talk to you about this for a second. You and I are both Lutron dealers. We both have experienced Ketra. We have both experienced uh, their version and and the way in which they bring human centric lighting into the home through HomeWorks uh, and, and through Ketra. 
when I hear human centric, the, the two things that pop into my mind are one, that person that works the night shift that is trying to replicate the circadian rhythm and yada, 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 tagline, 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 and help them sleep better during the day. That is not typically a catcher client in, in, in the, Lutron, the Lutron world. The other thing I hear about is, <clears throat> which, which is a big push with, with Ketra, and you can see some of the stuff we've shot with Ketra uh, on our website, but Ketra's really big on color temperature and vibrancy and adjusting lighting to better suit the mood and the environment, which is a lot of times our clientele. What's going to be the push that makes this a commonplace solution that people in our channel sell? It's not going to be commonplace. Uh, it's never going to be commonplace because it's too expensive. Um, and, and it's not, the price isn't going to come down because it's an ultra luxury product. So to say it's commonplace is a stretch. I think the best explanation for the human centric lighting sales pitch, um, is your clients are going to buy what you tell them. And I tell my people that all the time is you walk into a house and the client says, I like Samsung TVs. And you go, oh, okay, Samsung TVs are great. Never disparage another brand um, unless it's ubiquity. But uh, um, never disparage another brand. But you say, okay, well, Samsung's are great TVs. Tell me what you like about it. And you talk them through it, and before you know it, they're buying an LG or a Sony because that's where they should be anyway. So, you know, we are – our clients buy what we recommend. And that's just the way it works. It's always going to be that way. So if you have a guy who's watched Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, he's read every sales book in the history of mankind. He walks in and he tells the client, you know what you really need, Mrs. Whatever, Poindexter, you really need human centric lighting. You know, Miss Betty down the hall has it and she loves it. That's why people buy it. Um, you know, it's an ultra luxury product. People are going to buy what you sell, but it, like, I like what Mark said. It's just some people, it's hard enough to convince them to buy standard lighting control. Then you're going to tack onto that three times the cost to do the HCL, uh, double the cost at a minimum, usually three times the cost. It's just so prohibitive. You know, it's, it's like saying, you know, does the average consumer need a set of Meridian speakers? They might, they might really enjoy them, but they're not going to pay that for them. So, you know, it's the same thing with human-centric lighting. It's good stuff. The technology is great. Anyone listening to this, it's great stuff. But it is just so far out of the reach of 98%. We work with the top, I would say easily top 5% income earners. Is, is Most of our industry lives there. Most the, Those of us who have been doing this for a while live in the top one to two. Those people, are, it's... Even of the top one to two income earner, one to two percent income earners, you're only looking at maybe five to ten percent of those people are interested in HCL. Um, I just don't see it as being a mass market product. Seth, is this a because the industry's been hot on this for two years, three years, give or take? Um, is this just the industry getting super excited about tech because it's tech? Would not the better play be? to start trying to get integrators into proper lighting, lighting design and selling fixtures because 
Mark said it, Steven said it, selling lighting control is hard enough. Would it not make sense to go after a slightly lower hanging fruit rather than promoting the heck out of HCL? And again, I'm not disparaging the dealers that are doing this. I think HCL is awesome. I wish I could sell it more, but my clientele does not support it. Are we missing the boat as a, as a channel? I, I think we miss missing the boat. If we call it HCL anymore, that sounds like a medical condition that <laughs> we need to drop that first. Is there a vaccine call it, for that one? Yeah. I, I mean, vaccine for HCL? maybe, maybe a salve or, or something. One? Yeah. This, I just want this to go is... on the record and say it wasn't me that said something like that this time. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think, I mean, stick, if, if you look around the industry um, you know, there's, there's one company that, that makes billions of dollars, trillions of dollars every year. And uh, they call it adaptive lighting. So maybe our industry can stop trying to be special and call it adaptive lighting and not make up these weird things that our clients don't know what they're talking about. You know, they, they just confuses our clients. Uh, I think this is a great product. I think it can be mainstream. This, this is the early adoption days. Like this is what you get when you have a product and a technology that's new, it comes on expensive. And what we need to work towards is getting this built into what we call lighting control. And just being part of the generalized offering of what we have to put into people's homes, whether whatever fixture we put in or whatever light bulb gets put in, it has uh, adaptive lighting built into it. So we don't have to explain that to the client why their, their lights are going to be magically turning from 3000 Kelvin to 5000 Kelvin during the day or, or whatever, you know, like it, it's, it's this, this is a type of technology that's just early. And it's in its infancy, and you're going to see the premium lines gravitate toward it. You're going to see the premium sales and dealers gravitate towards something that kind of makes things a little bit more special. But at the end of the day, this is where the entire industry is going, especially when you have HomeKit doing the exact same thing, calling it adaptive lighting, and being a little more palatable uh, towards you know most people, most everyday consumers putting them in. Um, I think our industry will get there. It's just going to take some time. Is it? <clears throat> Is it a situation where, as per usual, we just overly, we just make it too technical for no reason? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's it? Definitely. This, this is one of those things that's just like, we're, 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 we're literally selling numbers here. Like, it's, it's a numbers thing. Yeah, the light changes during the day. It's not something you would ever notice if no one told you. Uh, but it only exists. It's like, it's a placebo. <laughs> the only reason you notice it exists is because somebody told you. Um, otherwise it just blends effortlessly back into the background and that's how it should be. And it's really, it's a really cool feature of a home to have, but it should just disappear into the technology that we're already installing. So let me ask you guys this, what needs to happen for this to become again, an industry-based, but a, a, a mainstream solution do we need the do we need the bulbs or the fixtures that anybody can get off the shelf at home depot or lowe's to be able to switch or or, or transition between you know three thousand to five thousand do we need our lighting control manufacturers to bake this in so that we can control something do we need a standard just to make that that feasible because I'll tell you right now, when I walk into a house and I see like random RGBW lights in their home, I don't care the, the value of the home. 
it just makes no sense to me. I don't understand why your house is green today. It's stupid. Stop it. What needs to happen to make... This is Christmas Day. No, then it needs to be red and green. Red and, red and green, true. But, true. but what if or you... St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, but we don't get real soda bread up here, so... Wow. Yeah. He said, stop it. <laughs> Sorry, was that too Russian for you? That's how I feel up here right now. What, so, I say so, that I say that to people all the time when, when they do stuff with technology, and I'm yeah, like, dude, yeah. just stop. Just stop. <laughs> so what needs to happen? If we could make an edict here and go to our friends at Lutron and Savant and Control 4 and Crestron and GE and say, hey, we know some stuff. We do this every day. Stop doing this ridiculous over-the-top stuff because that's such a small market. Just do this. What would it be? No, I, I, don't, I don't think that's something we – it's going to take time. Time is what we need. Uh, because you, you see stuff like what we were doing, you, you look at the entire industry was built out of like uh, automation and whole house audio. Okay. So like, well, whole house audio got refined down to the point where uh, you can install a Sonos speaker and you press a button and it identifies and you name it and you're up and going. Right. And it, it's just going to take time to get from what is an early adoption, new product that we've been talking about for two years uh, to, to something that you go to Home Depot and you buy, screw in a light bulb and it will automatically adapt to the time of day and all that good stuff for you all right i just want to say i just want to say that i still think that you remember a few years ago when our customers were all pushing 3d and we were all like stop just stop it's terrible just it sounds cool but don't do it this is the exact same thing in the reverse we are pushing a technology to our clients, which I'm not in that. We, I'm not doing that, but our industry keeps talking about this. Like they can talk it into fruition and it's not working. Nobody cares. Nobody can go outside. That's my thing. Like the outside has not become toxic. The outside didn't disappear. The outside is still there. Take yourself outside. I don't you haven't been outside up here. It can be well, I'm not, for your virgin now, lungs. Yeah, it's toxic. Yeah. Now, yeah. if you if you live with the polar bears, maybe you don't go outside. But down here, where that the air doesn't hurt our face, we go outside. So, I just feel like people are so tired of technology taking over every aspect of their life, and and I hear this all the time. You know, we used to call it the wife factor, which I don't know if that's a forbidden phrase now, maybe we should call it the spouse factor or whatever. So we used to hear the wife factor where no speakers in the floors, TVs have to be a certain way. It has to blend with the decor. Now I'm getting the everybody factor, even the, the guys that are tech guys, they're telling us, Hey, uh, Oh, sorry. Life partner factor. Um, so I'm getting the tech guys going, you know what? Maybe we pull back on the technology a little bit. I wear a shirt all the time, even to clients' houses that has a TV with the empty bars on it, like it used to get at 12 o'clock at night when we were younger. Well, I'm Mark, you remember these other two. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so. Right before I they wear, play, right after they played the national anthem. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. So <laughs> I wear a shirt and right across the TV, it says, go outside. I think that if our industry would understand that everybody doesn't want to be tied to technology 24 seven 
and we could integrate the technology with their life, that's what we need. We need for the nerds to step back a little bit and realize you can still go outside. I'm a nerd. I get it. I claim that. But what I'm saying is, is, it is it's not that we can't sell the human centric lighting. It's do we need to just go outside? It still exists. I think we're also in a, in a position. This is one of the few I'm seeing where the 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 DIY consumer grade is got to be a really fast follower to us. And if it's simple, if it's as Seth said, as simple as changing the light bulb and the light automatically knows what time of day it is and, and what the light should be, we're going to get priced out of it pretty quickly. Because if it's something the consumer can do on their own, I mean, look at how many end users are doing Sonos on their own or putting an Eero on their own. Now, a lot of them do want us to do that, even though they can't. And there will be people, well, my mother-in-law still pays somebody to come change the light bulb. So she'll still pay somebody to do this. But, you know, I think the majority of consumers, if it's if, if the DIY product is going to beat the professional grade uh, CI product market, at a, and, and it's going to be a much more reasonable price point, I just think we're going to get priced out of it very quickly. And it's going to be a harder and harder sell. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. Thank you all for joining us. Seth, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Blackwire Design, where can they do that? You can head on over to blackwiredesigns.com and uh, check out all the product offerings we have there. We have uh, new software we're rolling out for both uh, RTI and Ring. So uh, mm -hmm. check that out. We're writing, writing drivers for more than just Control 4 these days. <laughs> also, you do have a podcast. Oh, I do have a podcast over at hometech.fm. So check that out. Yeah, check that out as well. It's a good, it's a good show, uh, especially now that it's really the Seth show. It's very <laughs> good. I'm hoping he hears this. That's that's the plan there. Mr. Feinberg, thank you, sir, for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Home Theater Advisors, where do they do that? Best place is hometheateradvisors.com. If you want to reach me, it's mark at hometheateradvisors.com. Mr. Bronner, thank you, sir, for joining us. Uh, it is It is months away from college football, but... If people want to connect with you, learn more about Pro Audio Georgia, hear you muse about the Gators, where do they do that? Um, if you want to hear about the Gators, you look straight to heaven. And um, if you want to hear about Pro Audio Georgia or now Pro Audio Carolinas, um, you can look us up anywhere, Pro Audio underscore GA on Twitter. Um, currently experiencing a Facebook ban, so don't catch me there. And uh, But you can find me anywhere. I'm easy to find, uh, really, really, really uh, enjoy hearing from other integrators, and I look forward to hearing from you if you call. Excellent. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.